The name of the show is You Me Them Everybody. Here we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to You Me Them Everybody. My name is Brennan Weatherby. Welcome to the Wonderland Ballroom. You've made it. I'm going to do something I don't usually do on the show, which is talk about uh, my wife, and I'm not going to say her name because we've been doing this show for 10 years and I have never said her name on, into a microphone. And the reason being is I love her and I don't want to drag her down with me <laughs> because this is what I sound like into a microphone and she sounds very different than me. She is a professional, but I'm the best. Here we go. That's not a knock on my wife really quickly. This is not women be women. No, it's not that at all. I love her dearly. It's our anniversary. Here's how I knew she, damn right. You, that was sort of pandering, but like it wasn't because when I think of five-year wedding anniversaries, I think of live recordings of late-night style talk show podcasts at the Wonderland Ballroom in Washington, D.C. It's all been leading here. It's, there's been no accidents. Anyways, here's how my wife is better than your wife. <laughs> Before she was my wife, and I swear to God, you can only do the my wife Borat thing if you're a newlywed. You get one year of that, and you got to stop it after that, or else you're going to get divorced. So here we go. The, uh, before we were married... One of the reasons I knew uh, how great she is is because she was willing to do things that might be illegal with me that doesn't hurt anyone. One of those things was we ran a magazine, uh, an alt-weekly type of magazine. And when I say magazine and alt-weekly, I mean it was a broadsheet paper tabloid that we distributed for free in Chicago. And it was called The Machine. And we were way ahead of our time because, I don't know if you guys knew this, the print industry is doing really well. We should have started this now instead of 2006. But anyways, it can't live in the past. 2006... We start this thing, maybe it was 2005, it doesn't matter, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is we, we had an office. We had an office within the complex of the Congress Theater in Chicago, Illinois, and I think that's the name of the theater. It's the Congress Theater in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, what we figured out at the Congress Theater in Chicago, Illinois is their exits don't really seal. It was a venue, but it wasn't really above board. Like, it would not have passed any inspections, and there's a reason why it's been shuttered for over a decade. So we went to rent this office from a bunch of metalheads, uh, and they gave us a real good deal, and we paid that rent for a few months, but then we just stopped paying that rent forever, and we kept the key, so it was really cool. And what we figured out was how to get into shows at the Congress Theater. Now, Iggy Pop and Iggy and the Stooges were playing, they reunited, and the Iggy and the Stooges were playing, and we wanted to go, because Iggy Pop is the greatest performer of all time, and period, there's no qualifiers. Iggy Pop is the best. So, we didn't have money. <laughs> But we knew how to get in. So what we did was we staged a fight outside of the smoking doors where people would go smoke. And we would just, we kind of screamed, like we pulled the door open. One of us put our foot in the door. And then we would just kind of pretend to fight until one of the, uh, the security guards got real upset with us and goes, are you in or you're out? And then he goes, uh, my wife goes, uh, let's go in. Well, fine. We'll make up later. We'll just keep fighting inside of the show at the Stooges show. And we did that. And it worked. And she's the best. And that was 12 years ago. And you should clap. And that's an important story to know for you. Now, the second part of that story is in 2017, which was last year. We have money now. And we don't like to spend it because we're great people. Iggy and the Stooges, and actually, no, it wasn't Iggy and the Stooges, it was just Iggy Pop, because the Stooges no longer exist, it was, the, it was uh, the Stooges, then Iggy and the Stooges, then just Iggy Pop, then back to the Stooges, and then one of the Ashton brothers died, so then it became Iggy and the Stooges again, but then the other Ashton brothers died, so now Iggy Pop just tours alone. Anyways, 2017, 11 years after we first snuck into Iggy and the Stooges, we noticed that Iggy Pop was playing in Portland, Oregon. Now... I have a wonderful job. I'm the editor of a website called Brightest Young Things. I don't know if you guys know this. We are not in Portland in any way whatsoever. 
but publicists don't know that. So what you do is you email a publicist and go, hey, I want to review this Iggy show in Portland. And they're like, whatever, bro. I don't give a fuck. And we got in for free again. This is how you know she's a keeper. That sounds weird and like we own each other. But you kind of do and you kind of don't. If anything, she owns my debt. It's a real problem. Anyways, that's what marriage is. It's two people loving Iggy Pop enough to sneak in both legitimately and illegitimately. That is the definition of love. And if you don't believe me, listen to Search and Destroy. And if you don't listen to Search and Destroy and feel like that makes you feel what love is, you're not in love. I'm sorry, if you've never listened to Search and Destroy and felt love, you've never been in love. And if you don't know the song Search and Destroy, that's okay. The internet exists. Listen to that song. It should elicit an emotion. And if you get any emotion out of that, and it's a positive one, you have the potential for love. If you don't, you're a psychopath and that's okay because you could treat that we should all go to therapy that's the theme of this show since ever ladies and gentlemen we have an amazing show tonight i'm excited to bring up my co-host i have no idea if she knows a who iggy pop is and b if she knows who iggy pop is i'm assuming she knows him as the dad from pete and pete ladies and gentlemen please put your hands together for allison lane everybody Allison, you've done this show for five years. You've been doing this show as long as I've been married, and yet I you have. are never on stage at the correct time. You like to just r I, stretch it out. You like I the do. the acclaim, Allison. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Do you know who Iggy Pop I is? I do know who Iggy Pop is. He has a very strange, like, sort of sexy body, but not very sexy. It was it was legitimately sexy until like four years ago. He's very he's still in shape, but he's of the age where he now looks like ET. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he it's gotten, real, like, soft but not soft. Like, it's not soft at all, but it's, it's just... It's just kind of weird. But in a weird way, he is aging gracefully. The fact that Iggy Pop is alive... He's done a lot of drugs. He's did the, he did the most amount he of drugs. Does, he has a lot of... Like, he has drug body. It's yes, like, he does. It's like, it's it's fit, but it's soft. But the inspiring message is he's still here creating great art, and it's still better than Thank anyone God. I've ever seen live. His hair's been thin since, like, the 80s, though. It's still there, He should though. get a wig. No, we... Ooh, that would actually be very be fun. real sexy. Uh, did you ever see the movie The Crow City of Angels, mm. the sequel to the movie I'm The Crow? I'm going to let you uh, know. Iggy's in that. That's mm, why that I asked. That sounds great. Did you ever see Pete and Pete? I did. Okay, I, I did knew that. I did not know he was a dad. Yeah, he was one of the dads. Uh, did you see the movie? Was he in Crybaby? I think he was in Crybaby. I've seen Crybaby. I want to say he was in Johnny Cry Depp. Baby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anyways. <laughs> let's not talk about Johnny Depp in 2018 because there's nothing good there. Oh. Um Allison, how has your week been? I haven't seen you in a week. My week? It's been great. A little what busy. Working a lot. Trying to get those dollar coins. Uh, trying to work hard enough so I don't have to work for two months. Ooh. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, like dude. You're doing mini retirements throughout just the year? To, just trying to leave. Where are you trying That's to go? That's the way to go. Where are you trying to go? I don't know. New Orleans. I've never been. You, you should go to I've New Orleans. I've never been. Someone audibly gasped the idea that it's you like didn't travel thing. to a specific city. Well, first of all, flights are hella cheap from Washington, D.C. Are they? Yeah, dude. You can go to New Orleans for like... Five whole fuck ass days for like two hundred dollars. Really? Yeah, in September. Hmm. I looked. Hmm. I looked. I've never found that. I don't right. know if you're riding in the plane, but you're definitely getting <laughs> there. <laughs> By a plane. Sort of. Do you like air travel? Is that a topic that's discussed enough on podcasts? No, air travel? We can definitely skip it. Let's do that. <laughs> um you work at a venue. We're not I gonna do. say the name of the venue, so you I still have the job at the venue. Yeah, I do. Uh, I overheard you talking to our lovely neighborhood bartender here at the Wonderland Ballroom, which is not the venue we are referring to. Not that one. And uh, you have a new menu. You have a new item menu. <laughs> so here's a fun fact. Um, you were talking earlier about being white and how great it is. Um, white Cr complaints are the most powerful complaints on earth. I um, know. So I work at this very 
amazing, expensive music venue. And apparently, there have been enough people to complain over the past few months mm -hmm. that we now have to keep milk in our fridges for people to have <laughs> white Russians, white whatever Russians. the fuck they want. Is it, is it <laughs> So we're not going to say the name of the venue, but it's a music it's venue. It's a music venue, and they're they're pretty popular, and it's... The venue or the drink? Uh, well, both, apparently. Okay, okay. I don't know. Now, I've been to I a... I wonder what that strongly worded email said. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi, it's me. I love White Russians. I came to see the show. I spent a lot of money. I really wanted to be hot and sweaty near a bunch of people drinking milk and yeah. vodka. <laughs> <laughs> now, how long have you had milk in the refrigerators at the unnamed oh venue? Oh, my God. It's been about a, m a month or a two. A month, a month or two. Um, how many white Russians have you sold? I've sold zero. Zero white I Russians. I love it. I zero. love it. It's just like a huge embarrassment. Every time I look in there, I'm like, why? <sighs> it's that. It's milk and rumplements. Somebody also complained about rumplements. I feel I like... I really need rumplements and milk right now. Hold on. Have you sold any rumplements? I've never even touched it. It looks disgusting. Hmm, now I kind of want to go... <laughs> And order this. I've never thought about ordering a white Russian, and I've never thought about Rumpelmans since I snuck into Iggy Pop shows. Wait, wait, why would you be outside of your house drinking white Russians? Like, if you're, first of all, if you're old enough to afford a concert ticket, yes. you're old enough to sit at your own house and drink vodka and Kahlua and milk, yeah. you shouldn't do that shit in public. Like, that's like, like what, putting okay. on like a paraffin wax on your hand. Like, you don't fucking come outside with that shit. You, you do that at home. I like, it's comfort drink. Like, you don't come outside of your house and let other people know that. Okay, to be fair to the venue, I don't know their booking completely. <laughs> Did they have a big big Lebowski, like, night? Was there a big Lebowski no, reason? No, that's unfortunate. No. Was there a bowling-themed night that's sort of related mm, to Big no. Lebowski? There was a night when there was a bunch of large, uh, very sexy, overweight white men that I was really into. You were at that show. Oh, the NXT show? Yeah. She's referring to the wrestling show. <laughs> I would like to point out that Allison Lane was the first person to bring up wrestling in the June edition of You, Me, Them, Everybody. I've done it. Setting uh, a record. You, well, I mean, it's now in my brain now. There's a lot of wrestling. Yeah, because... I have five uh, years of knowing you. Um, before we bring up our first guest... <laughs> oh, I want to talk to our first guest about what I'm about to say because uh, I think this has huge cultural significance and he could actually tell me if it does or doesn't. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but on Wednesday night... WrestleMania 24 host, <laughs> the host of WrestleMania 24, decided to hang out with the WWE Hall of Famer. And they decided to do that in the Oval Office. And I don't mm. think that's ever happened before. And I think that's a culturally relevant experience that explains where we are as a, as a, as a country. Everything is sad. As a nation and as a WWE universe. <laughs> and that is probably the best and worst way to bring up the museum curator of the Smithsonian's Anacostia Community Museum. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Samir Megali, everybody. Samir, I know I butchered your last name. Please come to the stage. He's going to use the mic you just used. Allison, you're going to use the mic. Samir, I definitely should have asked you how to pronounce your name before you were on the stage, and I'd like to apologize about That's that. That's okay. You're not the first and won't be the last. Samir, how should I actually pronounce your last name? Magelli. Magelli. That is so much... Simpler. Uh, that's a lot different than the way I said it. To be fair, I am the white man on stage, so mm. never mind. <laughs> Uh, maybe not, never mind. How culturally relevant was Kim Kardashian and Donald Trump in the Oval Office talking about prison reform on Wednesday night? Sincere question. I sincerely am not sure. Okay. <laughs> I you mean, I'm a historian, so exactly. ask me in 20, 30 years. You have a dream job. I, didn't, I don't mean to say that, like, now 
fight for it. No, you have a you have a job that I think is the kind of job where you get to shape what people see in a museum, and it's a free museum, which means people actually go and don't just Instagram, and they actually learn from it, and there are children there, and they like being there because they're usually on a field trip, so they might actually learn something. To me, that's a dream job. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. It's fun. Cool. <laughs> so what did you just like go on LinkedIn? How did that happen? <laughs> Actually, that's exactly how. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I mean, I, I was, um, got my PhD in history, mm -hmm. um, got a job as a college professor, did that for a few years. Um, but honestly, I haven't gotten my PhD in history. The thing that got me interested in history in the first place were uh, some community history projects that I got to do in Philadelphia and in New York City. Um, and as a college professor, that kind of work isn't as valued as, uh, you know, research and, and publishing. And um, this gig opened up at the Anacostia yeah. Community Museum, which I thought would be cool because, you know, that museum in particular among the Smithsonian museums uh, does both kind of the serious research that I love doing, but also in a much more community-engaged way than yeah. most museums do. Uh, and just you know, on a whim, applied, and, and it happened. That's amazing. You I have a question now. So it's interesting you say more serious research of history versus more fun, like, community history. History kind of, like, to me, if I think about it, it's more who gets to tell the history stories, right? So, like, what would, what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so, you know, certainly in my eyes, community history and history period are the same thing. But, um, you know, I would say at a lot of museums, uh, the approach to actually researching and presenting history is very top-down. So traditionally, you know, it's, it's presidents, it's generals, it's uh, f fine artists. Um, but, you know, the museum that, that I'm at, the Anacostia Community Museum, is really kind of takes an opposite approach. So we develop exhibitions in collaboration with communities. Um, I spend a lot of my time out in neighborhoods doing oral history interviews, sitting down with folks kind of like this but not on a stage. So what you're saying um, is I'm as important as a museum no, there's just like the Twitter of museums. It's like the people are creators, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, cu curators. <laughs> Don't be mad. I'm a millennial. I can say that. So am I, number one. I am a millennial. Are you a millennial? Technically, I am, yeah. Do you, when people find that out, do they hate you more because you're so accomplished at such a young age? No, I mean, I'm not really that young, but I'm kind of on that border borderline. Uh, you have a PhD, you taught college, <laughs> and you've been, at, you've been a museum curator for a Smithsonian Institution for three years. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, when I hear people talking about millennials, sometimes I'll pretend like I'm not one. Why? And just like, well, and then sometimes I challenge, you know, and say, actually, I'm a millennial because they don't expect that. Yes. And can kind of just say, well, you know, don't overgeneralize. I'm yes. going to overgeneralize right now. <laughs> every millennial is better. Here's why. Any and every and everyone younger than every millennial is better than them. And then the next generation mm -hmm. is going to be better. Yeah, no, that definitely repeats. Um, it's just weird because having actually been a college professor where you're like less or about 10 years older than the students that you're teaching, you kind of learn that there's actually a big generation gap between you and them. Uh, and like the whole frame of references is different. Like they didn't grow up with, they don't even, they don't know what cassette tapes are and they, they barely knew what CDs are. See, I, so I bet more kids now know what cassette tapes are because that's well, back in Vogue. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on Saved by the Bell, the college years? Um, you know, I think... Did you see any episode of that? No. Okay, good. 
You're a good. You're a good. That's how you accomplish things. You don't watch episodes of <laughs> Saved by the Bell, the Collegers. Just so you know, that was the Saved by the Bell that was on in prime time because they're like Zach graduated high school. Time to put him up in the night show. It did not last very long. Him and Kelly got married in a TV movie. By the way, I'm Gross. white, everybody. I'm a white person talking about <laughs> Saved by the Bell. Okay. What you just referenced, not me, what you just referenced that what your museum does is more community-driven. The current new exhibit is called The Right to the City, and it, it sort of gives the, the recent history. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, like it's kind 60 of... 60 years? Yeah, 56 yeah. years? Yeah, I mean, it kind of takes as, as a starting point just the transformation that DC's experienced over the past 10 to 15 years, especially just in terms of population growth, yeah. rising rents and home prices, but takes that and looks more deeply at the history of change in, in six DC neighborhoods. Um, you have Anacostia, Shaw, Southwest, Chinatown, Brookland, and Adams Morgan. What has changed the least of the six? Um, of those six neighborhoods, I would say definitely Brookland. Brookland has changed the least. Yeah. Is it fair to say Chinatown has changed the most, followed by Shaw? Pro probably. Okay. Probably. I mean, it, it depends kind of when we're starting. In the exhibit, we delve, we go as far back as the kind of 1940s and 50s and 60s. And so there are neighborhoods like Southwest DC that in the 1950s and 60s um, was entirely essentially demolished. Mm -hmm. um, and more than 20,000 people were displaced. So kind of depending on when we <laughs> talk about sure. time frame. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would say in the past 20, 30 years, definitely Chinatown and Shaw among, among those six, the most changed. Yeah. Uh, is it weird being part of a Smithsonian but not being part of the like giant tourism aspect of the Smithsonian? Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely has uh, both advantages and drawbacks. Sure. So, you know, yes, we're part of the Smithsonian system and we have been. We actually just turned 50 years old. So we've been around for a long time, quite a long time. Um, but we're not on the National Mall, which means a number of things. It means, one, um, we're not as much under a microscope as the other museums that are on the mall. So we kind of have leeway to do some things that I think personally are <laughs> more fun, more interesting, yeah. a little bit more creative. Uh, but at the same time, we don't get the same amount of visitors, not nearly as, as, as much as like Air and Space or American History. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's kind of both sides to that. Okay. This is not all you do. You're also a published author. You're a writer. And you, uh, you're an author of a book. You're co-author of the book, uh, The Global Cyphers, Hip-Hop Culture and Consciousness. But I want to talk about what you're working on the book you're working on. Are you still working on this book? Uh, yeah, kind of trying to, trying to. It's called Between New York and Paris, A Transatlantic History of Hip Hop. Oh. The only person that I could even associate with either of those cities is Saul Williams. <laughs> is there anyone that I would know of that has lived in both New York and Paris from hip hop? Um, well, it depends. It depends how much you know about hip hop. But did you see Saved by the Bell, the college <laughs> years? No, I know. I mean, know a medium amount. Um, well, let's see. So I would say in the '90s there was a group called Les Nubiennes, which was kind of more of like a neo soul group mm -hmm. uh, that broke the Billboard 100. That are originally from France, but moved to New York and, and still live there. Um, but then there were artists earlier on, like there's an important breakdance crew from the early '80s called the Rocksteady Crew. Mm -hmm. One of the main members of that group actually lived in France for a time. Um, but the book and history is much more about kind of how hip hop culture spread overseas. Sure. Um, and France is actually the second largest market for hip hop in the world behind the United States. And there's a really long and 
and, and rich history of hip hop in France, but also just more broadly American and African American culture in France. So I was gonna say, well, like how like there are a lot of like really great French hip hop artists, like a lot of really nice like French rap. Is like, there? How do you? Yeah, it's really fucking cool. Okay. Uh, so like, how? Why do you think it developed there in Paris? Like. It's not, I would expect, like, maybe London is more English-speaking. Like, it's probably going to have, like, Oh, a London hip-hop's bad. Yeah, but... It's real not good. It doesn't matter. It's just, like, uh, you would think that people would be able to, like, sort of relate because of, this, like, the language. But, like, is there something about the culture or, like, the history of Paris that, like, connects people to it? Yeah, I mean, I would say there's a few things. I would say, in a lot of instances, it's, like, accidents of history. So one of the things that I've researched and, and writing about is, and most people don't know, that the world's first regularly and nationally broadcast hip-hop TV show was actually created and broadcast in France before we had one in the U.S. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, what year? This was started in January of 1984. Wow, um, that's very early. Yeah. Wow. So, so the U.S. and the, fr the first one in the U.S. was UMTV Raps, yeah. and that was 1988. And even UMTV Raps was created <laughs> by a French woman in 1987 and started broadcasting on MTV Europe before it uh, existed in the U.S. That's so cool. This so is so weird. I had no idea about any of this. <laughs> did but part like let's be honest. You did this so you could visit France a lot, right? <laughs> I mean, that was a nice little perk. Sure, of it, but 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 uh, I mean, having I, and a, I was used to DJ actually, and got deep into the researching, writing about the history of hip hop, and then it's kind of discovering that France was this place that with its own rich history. Um, just thought it was a history that needed to be written. So. Uh, that's amazing. You seem to have a very fulfilling life. Scale of <laughs> one to ten, how happy are you? Uh, that's a hard question, but I would say... I, I <laughs> it's like the most softball, <laughs> easy question. Um, ten. You know what? I, so I mean, great. I'm honestly just, just, awesome. just uh, grateful. grateful to, so uh, this is the time to plug things. You clearly want people to go to the museum. Yes, please do. Uh, it's free. It's free. We're open seven days a week, ten to five. Almost 365 days a year. I think Christmas Day is the only day we're not open. Mm -hmm. um, we have lots of free events. So yeah, like most every, most every. No, that's not, I shouldn't say most every because I've been doing a lot of Smithsonian events are free. Yeah, and the ones that you have to pay for are still worth it because you get to give money to Smithsonian. And it's like that's one ticket to MoMA. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like just pay for the thing. I'm sorry, I just stepped over your plug. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. We, I mean, we have all kinds of free events, film screenings, book talks music performances, and then, yeah, a new exhibit that just opened that I think is pretty cool uh, called The Right to the City. You'll learn a lot about the city's history, um, you know, a lot of things that I'm guessing you may not know, and kind of just also learn about your place in the city, especially as it's changing so much, kind of what role we each play in, in the changing landscape. So. You're doing important work that is in no way depressing, and that's <laughs> very rare, so thank you for that. When is, the book, when is the book due? Do you have a release date? No, it's still in progress, okay. so it'll be a little while. Yeah, because it's fun to go to Paris. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so glad you did the show tonight. Please go to the museum. Please put your hands together for Samir, say it again. Migueli. Migueli. Yeah. I, it's very Italian pronunciation. Are you Italian at all? <laughs> it's not Italian. Samir is not Italian, everybody. Good job. I'm going to shake your hand and bring up our next person. You're wonderful. Thank you Thanks. so much. You can give that to Allison. She'll take it. Good job. Thank you for doing this. 
for the people listening at home, I don't know if you guys know how booking talk shows were. He had to get approval from the Smithsonian to do the show. And the fact that the Smithsonian said okay means one of two things. Number one, they've listened to the show and they are totally okay with it, or they don't give a fuck. And they clearly don't give a fuck, because I've said a lot of things that they probably wouldn't like. Samir, I'm so glad he was on the show tonight, and I've uh, never met him before, and that's exactly why I do this show. Our next guest is someone I actually have met before. He is a, he is a friend of food. Oh. Let's go with a friend of food. Snacks. He's one of the founders of Mess Hall, and uh, he does important stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Al Goldberg, everybody. Al, come to the area that is a stage. He has a giant button on and a Washington Nationals hat because he is a Mormon like Bryce Harper. So that's exactly, is that true, Al? That is true. Oh, fantastic. Okay, so Al, you are a, a co-founder or founder of Mess Hall? I'm the founder. You're the founder of Mess Hall, and I apologize for calling you the co-founder. That's rude of me. You have piercing blue eyes. Please hold the mic closer to your face. There they are. And talk about your eyes. Blink, blink, blink. Hey there, blue eyes. Do you wear blue shirts because it matches your eyes? Uh, I didn't give it that much thought today, but... Okay, for the listener at home, Al is wearing a blue shirt. And he has piercing blue eyes. And he loves Bryce Harper. I'm staring right at you. And the Washington Nationals. Do you legitimately like the Nationals? Or you're like, I'm in D.C. and I have a business here, so I have to pretend? Uh, I'm just DC through and through. I care not about sports. Where are you from? I uh, came to DC in '93 from Connecticut. '93. You've been here a long time. You might have been able to help with the exhibit or write to the city to see to explain how neighborhoods have changed quite a bit. He got it all wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the guy that's the curator of the museum got it wrong. You got it right. Where is Mess Hall for the uninitiated? We are in a small neighborhood called Edgewood, which is right off of Brookland. Mm-hmm. It's literally down the street. Yeah, it's literally really down the street. Like five minutes away. I am not a restaurateur. I am not a cook. I am not a chef. Um, so every single time I've been to Mess Hall, I've had a great experience because it's just a it's a chance for me to eat food I wouldn't nor- Thank normally. You. It's like a smorgasbord and just delicious food. It is beverages, and it's so and, and and the programming is so ambitious and wonderful. This is the part of the show where Alice and I just compliment you to your face while it's you feel super awkward. Inspiring. I'm just sitting back. I'm just listening. So <laughs> the reason why I wanted you on the show this week is because my favorite event that I've attended at Mess Hall is this Sunday. It's called New Kitchens on the Block. Uh, we've established that I'm the editor of Brightest Young Things, and, and the reason why I brought that up again is because this is the event that helps me figure out what's going to be worth covering the next six months. Because the premise of the event, is it nine people, nine vendors? We have, we have 11, 11 soon-to-open restaurants. 11 soon-to-open restaurants. So this is, for a lot of people, the first time to try these places. You get to talk to the people that run the restaurants, and you're the person that's fa- – you and Nevin are the people facilitating this experience. Yeah, we co- I, uh, co-host with, uh, this with Nevin Martell, mm-hmm. uh, who's a uh, food writer here in the city. And, uh, we uh, yeah, we try and figure out – who we think will be the next biggest restaurants in the city. And I think we have a pretty good track record. This is a fourth iteration. Mm-hmm. So if anybody has been to Maidon here in town or, yeah, the Salt Line, um, Rasa Grill, Unconventional Diner, um, Chloe. And, uh, I mean, there's so many amazing restaurants that are opening up. It's not really – I mean, it's sort of like throwing darts and, you know, hitting almost anything. But it's there's, – there's so many that are good that are opening right now. We try and pick the best of them and – Get ever, give everyone a chance to try them before they've opened. When you moved here in 1993, do you think a concept like Mess Hall would have worked? No, but trash, actually having trash collection would have been good. That would have been a good start. Okay. Um, no, when I was here, I think one of my first jobs was at, well, my first job was at uh, 
TGI Fridays. Ooh, good, good. It's and, uh, fun in the neighborhood, right? Is that your little tagline? It's always fun in the uh, neighborhood. It's like flair. Yeah, I don't. It's uh, it's always fun. It's always Friday here. Yeah. Like where, which Fridays? It uh, down by GWM. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Is that still so around? Is that Friday still around? I think it is. They changed yeah, their nacho recipe. We though. should be there. Yeah, we should. The food we should is get so good. and nachos. Oh yeah. Oh, like um. Did you ever have no a white one. Russian at a music venue, Al? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so th- that's 90 th- 93 different so DC. Yeah, so so job number two, Red Hot and Blue, I'm pretty sure was on Washingtonian's top 100 list. That place is still time. delicious. It's like four, I remember our, our my covers, like our like your average check was like $4.25 for like a, like a, that was like how much it costs for somebody to eat lunch there. That's a so good price. So you'd be price. working on like $9 <laughs> table. Right, mm. and this was the best restaurant that DC had to offer at the time. No, you know, one of the one of the top. So what you're saying is it's gotten worse over time, and <laughs> you miss you miss the good old days. I um, mean, I do love barbecue. But how long has Miss Hall been around? We opened in October 2014. All right, they're coming up on four years. Why? You hold your pen so weird. Yeah, we should talk about that on an audio podcast. People really care about how I look like how I hold my pen. We can also, describe it. I don't know if you guys knew this. Uh, it doesn't matter because it's 2018. Nobody, this know. is the only time yeah, I write. What are you even writing down? Notes so I could ask follow-up questions. Oh, okay. Because I'm actively listening, but I don't want to forget. I have to live in the moment, but at the same time, I have to do my research, and I have to do my homework, and I have to pay attention to you, right and on. let the conversation go as where it goes. It's going really well. I think so, too. Judge it one to ten. Go. Like <laughs> four, like three or four. That's not good at all. You don't know what good means. You just said That's it was good. good. You're lying somewhere in this equation. Oh, ten is higher. Ten is higher. Oh. <laughs> 10 is always higher. Uh, yeah, 10. Oh, great. Thanks for lying to my face. Why did you decide to do this, this being Mess Hall? So Mess Hall was kind of born out of a need for more commercial kitchen space. In D.C., I had been trying to open up a catering company, which was what I had been doing for a dozen years before that, and looked and looked and looked and went to every neighborhood in the city and uh, wanted to do it in D.C., but uh, couldn't find a spot. You've s- Okay, so right now... the. Mess Hall does have these events, but for the most part, I think it's fair to say that it is exactly what you described. It's a kitchen that people could use, and they're usually small operations, period. It's true. We should take a step back. For those who don't know what Mess Hall is, yeah. we're, uh, we're a food incubator. So uh, first and foremost, we're a shared kitchen space for about 40 different companies right now uh, who have launched their business or come to accelerate their business, um, all, small de- all local small uh, food businesses and entrepreneurs. Uh, anything from consumer packaged goods, uh, salad dressing, snacks, uh, frozen dumplings, to food trucks, right, to uh, caterers and bakers. So uh, I wanted to find a space for other people to be able to launch their businesses since I wasn't able to myself. So you've been doing this for roughly four years. What is the thing that makes a restaurant and or business fail? Because you have to have had some that... Uh, you know, God, there's so many things that can make it. I mean, I think list them, rank them. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Number one. Uh, let's say your partnerships uh, structure can be can really screw you. Um, if you don't know what your if you don't know where your costs are, mm-hmm. if you know where your money is. Um, you're you're down the toilet. I mean, a lot of people just. Some people think that you know just because a lot of people told them, oh you're a really good cook you know you should yeah. launch a business yeah uh, and uh, you know I oh, really love the brownies that you bring into work every third Friday you know yeah and uh, you should open up a business and there's just so much more that go into it I'm so, so preparedness is so big it sounds like it's a 
lot of passion. So, like, what would you say as like some of the better trends that you see are coming out of uh, mess hall right now, or in food in general? Since you're seeing a lot of things, like, what do you think is like some of the best sort of products that are coming out right now? I mean, this is no uh, so trends or products, but I think uh, you know some interesting things that are happening with. Um, I think there's a lot of guessing as to what's going to happen with uh, Whole Foods that was really taking on a lot of local, but then Amazon purchase, and we don't know what's going to happen. They're changing their marketing strategies. Mm -hmm. uh, so it'd be interesting. I mean, there's, of course, like everyone wants to talk about like farm to table and local sourcing and all this stuff, but, you know, who's going to keep doing it? So, you know, we look to other local people who are opening up smaller grocery stores and things. Um, I mean, on the re more on the restaurant side, though, further away from the consumer packaged goods, I mean, Everyone wants, everyone wants scalable, right? So people are looking at, of course, fast casual. This is no newsflash here, but uh, the fast casual um, concepts that are coming out of DC are, you know, hitting both coasts right now. You know, you have Kava, of course, you know, sweet green and, and pizza, and a lot of these are showing success. They're easy to pop up. They're easy to replicate. And, um, you know, people that are, that are coming through that are looking to invest into, into food businesses definitely want something that's scalable. Is your schedule as nightmarish as the restaurant industry people I know? I mean, mine personally is because I'm in a small business. You know, we're a really super small team. Yeah. Um, you know, there's just a couple of us. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just like anything. I mean, anybody that owns a small business is just in it, you know, working. For the money. 18-hour weeks. For the, for the money. And, the, yeah, and the, the fame. I mean, look. The money and the fame. I mean, I'm on, um, where is the camera? Okay. <laughs> I mean, we're here. This got me here. Which is huge. Hey. Ten. They are giving us a ten. You're wearing a button right now. It says vote no hashtag seven seven. Uh, there's initiative seventy seven that's going to be voted on June nineteenth, sixteenth, June something. Yeah, maybe. The yeah, around. You're the wearing the button. You should know when the vote is. Um, I'm voting absentee. I will be in London. All right, stop. Everyone's bragging going to Paris and London. I get it. You're all famous. Okay, so hip hop. Th the vote. Uh, okay, so this is about tipping. Right. So 77. I'm not the expert, and I have. Yeah, no but you're wearing the button and have a I'm microphone the button, in front I'm of you. Advocating. So you're advocating so for voting no. I am. 77 is basically an initiative. It's a ballot initiative. So there's no there's no council members that have sponsored this. This is a ballot initiative whereby um, it's proposed to raise a minimum wage for tip employees uh, to $15 an hour. Okay, now. Which sounds great. Maybe. It sounds like some people will maybe make a little bit more, but most people will probably make a little bit less. Well, you know, the, it, the way that it's phrased, you know, or framed, it's, you know, it's like it's $3 uh, an hour right now. Okay. And some change. So it sounds like a really big spike. You know, sure. we want to take care of our wait staff. By the way, don't forget to tip your bartenders. Cheapest fucking applause. Come on, man. Okay. But the reality is a little maybe different than that. Well, you know, mo in D.C., you know, we've got a really great restaurant scene. I think uh, – I don't think a lot of people would argue that we don't. Um, no, no one would. It's a pretty unique space. Uh, there's a lot of – somebody, but 96% of the restaurants that are in D.C. are, are independently owned. We've got um, – you know, the wait staff are making money. and. Okay. Uh, the restaurants are making money. Everyone's doing really well. You know, you go out, you get pretty good service in the city, I think. Are you willing to chime in on this, or you need to stay clear? Because um, you're, you're going to be... I am a tipped employee. I mean, I do work in the service industry. Exactly. I'm a tipped employee. I'm also 
no on 77. Um, so you're no on 77 too? Yeah, because it changes labor costs for a lot of employers. And so they'll, they won't be able to employ as many people. You'll be shorter staffed. You won't get as good service. Okay. Do you know of anybody that's pro 77 in the industry? I do. What is their argument? Their argument is that it's going to, <laughs> it's a ridiculous argument. Uh, it's going to balance the gender inequality within the service industry. How and so? It's not a surprise that a lot of, especially white men, make more money in the service industry. That doesn't sound right, Allison. I know, right? Surprise. Uh, they're, they're often like tipped more, and it's so the, they're saying that the wage balance is just different. Also, they're saying that it's going to make it easier for like, uh, people like single parent family members. A lot of people who are working in the service industry are single parents. Mm -hmm. So they're saying it's going to be it easier for them to make more money. But I don't know if that's a very strong argument. Okay. Uh, and they're also saying it's not going to harm people's labor costs, but that's not entirely true. Okay. So it, it seems to be an unknown, but the majority of people I talk to are no on this. Yeah. It, this, this is just going to have really large economic implication. Yeah, it's kind of important. It's worth discussing. Because on the front end, it sounds like it sounds like a good Absolutely. idea. On the front end, it sounds very nice, but Absolutely. I don't think it's on the back end. It's on okay. the books. Because I, I mean, think a lot of businesses get like a tip credit, correct? That's right. So there is a fail-safe, right? So we said that uh, we said that horrifying number of like oh, $3 exactly. and some change an hour, but um, the minimum that if if you're if you're a waiter and mm -hmm. you're not making and you, don't, and you have a really lousy shift and you sold a $4.25 Sandwich at a barbecue from joint. the best place in Washington D.C. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, your employer will make up the difference and bring you up to twelve fifty. Okay. So there's not that much of a delta there, but the but the opportunity to make much more is there when you are a tipped employee. And what and the the heart of the matter is this will affect the economy. As a small business owner, right? Let's just say I own a restaurant, which I do, and I have no tipped employees. But as a restaurant owner, let's pretend I need to cut. I need to I need to uh, cover my my employee sure. my, my labor costs, right? And as any as any small business, you are always looking at your labor costs. Absolutely. So that's got to come from somewhere. So who's going to make less? Well, there's either going to be fewer jobs. It's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. Um, so there'll be fewer there'll be fewer waiters on the floor. There'll be the service uh, will decline, quality will decline, and uh, and and you're going to see uh, people that are in the back of the house who really need to be making more money. Are going to be making less still because they're um, they won't get the raises or maybe they'll even have some decreases there. Fun stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff. And gloom. I mean, look, we don't want to be all very you know sky is falling on this sort of no, issue. No, no, not not. But that. we also just really have to think long and hard about the economic implications that happen when you just say, hey, look, we're going to make a drastic change. I don't know if you saw what happened this week with tariffs, but I don't think we need to consider the long-term cost of anything. Fuck it, bro. Let's just see what happens. Set it all on fire. Let's go yeah, to London. So um, you're going to be in London during the vote for obvious reasons. Um, I love what you do. I love what. Is it fair to say you're an incubator? Yeah, that sounds like. But that sounds shitty. You know what I mean? That sounds everybody bad. Everybody wants to use. Ex yeah, everybody wants to say incubator now. Yeah, the fucking whatever. Anyways. Uh, New Kitchens on the Block is this Sunday. There's many, many, many events at Mess Hall. Where can people find out Thank more you. events for Mess Hall? So We're shaking much. hands right now. Yeah. Mess Hall where? Uh, we go to uh, messhalldc.com. There you go. That's the plug. Where is Mess Hall? We're right near uh, Brookland. It's a little neighborhood called Edgewood at 703 Edgewood Street. Yeah, right near the Franklin Street Bridge. Seven oh, it's uh, once again, 703 Edgewood Street, Northeast. What's your social security Washington. number? <laughs>
Just give us the routing number. Yeah. <laughs> Put your hands together for Al Goldberg, everybody. Al, thank you. Thank I'm going to take the microphone and shake your hand. Good job. Coming to the stage is an artist that I've known via the internet only, and this probably is the first time we've actually met in person, and she doesn't know why she's here. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Rose Javi, everybody. Rose, the stage will be yours. Rose, is that a, is that a blazer? I like your aqua blazer. Yeah, thank you so much. I, like I never get to wear my aqua blazer. You got so those summer blaze for the podcast. For the pod. Yeah, for the I'm pod. wearing a gray cardigan. I like your cardigan. Like, I like your cardigan and the whole getup is working. It's Germany 30 years ago for me. It's the future for you. Yep. I know you because you're an artist and I see your art. Sweet. Cool. That's, that's the goal. That is the goal. The, I found out about you. I was looking at your stuff before I knew who you were, and I only found out about your stuff going back to BYT is because you had uh, we we profiled you when you were doing feminists fuck with facts, which was 2017. Yep, last year. It was last year. Yeah. So 2016, 2017, pretty good years for you, right? Pretty good years. Yeah, I feel like it's only getting better and better, which Hell is yeah. a good direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> um, do you like what you do? I don't like. I love what I do. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a good thing. A uh, good how thing. easy is it to pay rent doing what you do? You know what? Um, it's a great question. I have been very lucky with getting big grants from the city. Yeah, okay. I know. So those murals. It, it so like yeah. murals and stuff like that. Murals. Um, the Department of General Services has been very kind to me for the past few years, and they are redoing a bunch of public schools in D.C., and there's 1% for the arts, which actually adds up to a fair amount. Yeah. And it's like, you know, millions and millions of dollars. So public art in schools, I've been getting a bunch of grants to do that. This so is, I had no idea. That's yeah. amazing. That great. This is the first tangible advice I've ever gotten from an artist ever. I know. Okay. I know. How did you find out about grants? So, say what? <laughs> She's not on mic. Look at me. Sorry. sorry. How did you find <laughs> out about the grants? Um... You know what? So actually, my dad got me hit to this go. particular grant. So this was great. So I went to Lafayette Elementary School, born and raised in D.C., and DGS, that was their first school that they had, mm -hmm. and my dad knew the woman. You know, he's been in D.C. forever. And so he was like, hey, Grant, Lafayette, like, let's make it happen. And I totally got this huge grant. I painted two 60-foot-long walls in my old school where I went to elementary school. So, and then I kept applying to them, and then... The more, the bigger your portfolios, the more yeah. grants you get. So it's it's great. So the the first part of that story is uh, dad. You got to have a dad. I have a dad. That's mean, and you shouldn't brag about that. I've never I'm met sorry. mine. I don't need to. What I've seen Iggy Pop multiple <laughs> times. Have you seen Iggy Pop multiple times? You know what's a crazy story? I went to University of Michigan, and I lived in Iggy Pop's old house. Did you what? ever? Hold yeah. on, stop. Wait, wait, yeah. stop. She's avoiding the question. Have you seen? <laughs> have you seen Iggy Pop live? I haven't. That's why you don't need a dad, motherfuckers. You could just <laughs> go to Iggy without having a dad. It's not like Perry Furl had a dad bullshit. Fuck Jane's Addiction. Back to you, Rose. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction and or Pornorful Pyros and or the regrouping of Jane's Addiction? Most importantly, the song that was used for the Entourage Those soundtrack. Words oh, mean yeah. Literally nothing. To what does that have to do with Iggy Pop? Iggy Pop's better. That's the answer oh, okay. to the question. Okay. I just referenced Because there was a song called Had a Dad by Jane's Addiction. Did you know that? 
I am culturally just failing right now. I no, don't you're know. not. I don't so know even like Iggy Pop, the only cool thing is that I used to live in this house, and then that's like the end of the story. It, you ends, should it ends there. Do you know one student? No, don't gonna ask do that. me any other questions. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> here's th- here's how w- the one of the reasons why I asked about the money stuff because the art that you sell on your site is affordable. Yes. So I was like, well, she's trying to make rent on that. That's going to be real tough. Yeah. So. I kind of play these two sides. I have these big grants and I do big yeah. murals. Murals has been the way that I make the most money and uh-huh. has been has allowed me to survive as a, you know, not doing anything else. I haven't taught or, you know, I've been full-time painting for about three years. That's so impressive. Basically on that's mural so work. Cool. Yeah, murals are trendy and people pay you a pretty penny to Fuck paint yeah. walls. That's awesome. So that's awesome. And then I can charge less. I can sell my art for less. And then I think that I sell more art because of that, to be honest, which yeah. is great. I make a lot of art. I sell a lot of art. More people know about me, and it's just a continuous loop. One of the places people could find more art from you happens to be The Stew, and you have your own show there next week on the best day of the year, 6-9, Saturday, June 9th. 6-9. Come out. It's going to be great. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Boom Scat's playing, but let's talk more about your stuff. Uh, Describe The Stew for me, please. So the stew was an H&R block, and I had to sage a lot when I got in there to just get the energy out. And um, so it's an art studio on the back, and then the front area is kind of a community space that I rent out and also host shows and do a variety of things in. Where is it? It is right next to the Rhode Island Avenue Metro. It's um, the, the only other thing that's open in that strip is Popeye's. So it's me and Popeye's holding it down. Actually, there's a few scooter, you know, those like electrical scooters. Yes. There's two of those that just came in on either side of the stew. So do so they? It's me and the scooter guys. Do they charge less scooters there? They charge the scooters there. Okay. Have you read about the scooter charging thing going on right now? I, honest, I actually drive a Vespa, so I have like, really? you know, the next next step up from the scooter. I'm assuming. Th- so that's why you have a helmet here. Yes. You have a helmet here. Do you ever ride your scooter without, or sorry, your Vespa without a helmet? Never. That's the right answer. <laughs> Allison, do you know about the scooter charging situation? No, but I love the scooters. The Washington Post ran a great story about how there's this like new, under not underbelly, but like this new economy of charging the scooters. So if you charge them, you get paid to charge them. That's how it works. So what you'll see is like, uh, like a teenager with seven scooters stacked on top of each other like compiling them all and then using like an apartment building or a, a public outlet to charge them all. It's fucking brilliant. Whoa. <laughs> These kids are amazing. I, the kids are better than the adults. I feel like some more things make sense about what's going on in next to me at the stew now. Yeah, it's yeah. fascinating <laughs> stuff. It's fascinating right. stuff. Good. Do you like art? I don't like art. I love art. Ugh. Come on. Seriously though, let's be. Let's talk some shit about people. Come on. Great. Let's it's do so it. much more fun. Uh, it, this seems to be like a. F- actually a stable city to be an artist even though it's so expensive yes i think that there is a lot of people that have a lot of money here yeah so you're kind of towing a line of where rent for a studio space and and housing is expensive but if you can make it work and kind of target the right people and get the right jobs I lived in Berlin for a little while and like wow so we've got paris london and berlin jesus christ already it was Amazing, but I was, you know, just scraping, scraping yeah. by there. And I came back here, and it's just like people pay you a lot to do pretty easy things. Now, some people that are struggling have heard that from you now and don't like you. Yeah. What are you going to say? To <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say to get them back? Let's talk about some pain you've gone through. That people like that. 
Uh, that's a very vague question to talk yep. about pain, and I'm not ex actually expecting you to do that, so I'm going to keep talking now until Kay. we get to the actual next question. <laughs> if you're considering moving here, if you're 20, yeah, or you're 22, you just graduated college, or you're 19, and you're like, I don't want to go to art school, I graduated high school, I'm done with this shit, I'm just going to make my own thing. Do you recommend visiting here and setting up contacts, or do you just recommend diving headfirst and moving here and figuring it out that way? In other words, do you need to live here to set up base here? I think definitely yes. I oh, think you do? Okay. 100%. I think the only reason that I've gotten where I've gotten in the city is because of community and networking. And I think that it took years of going to shows, talking to people, creating creating a network, basically. Mm -hmm. I would not be anything if it wasn't my reputation and when work that I've done before that. So I think that the benefit of being an artist in D.C. is that it's a small art scene. Yeah. And so you're just a bigger fish. Yeah. Um, but to do that, you need to really constantly be making high-quality work. And I think that you can't do that if you just are a noob. If you're an artist, scene. do you want to be a big fish? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to pay the rent. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, I think sure. That you need to... It's like if somebody needs an illustration or a wall, why would they choose you? They choose you because they might know your name or they ask somebody, and yeah. you know what I mean? So Absolutely. I think that you kind of need to be about town. Uh, your work is very affordable. You can find it at yourname.com, but it yep. will redirect you. What's wrong with the redirects? <laughs> right, you yeah. own the URL, it just redirects. That's true. That's There's true. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, it's true. a store. It's, it I makes it more legit. You're right. Rather than just giving money to a, a URL of a person's name. You're right. I'm not into the dot, square, dot, you know. Yeah. yeah. Squarespace. Squarespace. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> you on LinkedIn? <laughs> Are you on LinkedIn? Is there a reason for an artist I to be on LinkedIn? I haven't logged into LinkedIn since like 1990 or when I don't know. 1990. No, yeah, not. that sounds right. That yeah. sounds right. Now. How old I'm are you? Not on LinkedIn. I'm 29. You're 29? Yeah. So you were what four when you started yeah, up your LinkedIn? Yeah, that's when I got on LinkedIn. That's cool. What do your parents think of your job? I don't ask them for money, so they're not complaining. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I think they're pretty excited about it. That's a it. good way to yeah. live. They're, they've been supportive since day one, which is, I think, a, a piece of the puzzle. If you have artists that don't, if you have parents that don't support your artist child, then you know, that was helpful. I've been, I've been in and out of art classes and doing this since I can remember. And you still like it. I still like it. I it's like I like it more and more. It's so cheesy, but I totally. That sounds like, like a more drug more addict. More. You know, that's good. It's but it's, it's like positive. It's positive. Yeah. yeah, I'm going back to my studio tonight. Just got to keep. That's you know, so great. Yeah. It's inspiring. I'm not joking. It's a uh, hustle. Uh, go to the stew specifically on Saturday, June 9th, yep. 6 9. You have your art show, Affordable Art Show. Affordable Art Show. Boom Scat's playing. There's another musical guest. I forgot who Tooth that is. Tooth Choir. Tooth Choir's playing. It's going to be DJing. It's going to be awesome. You're doing good stuff. That's really cool. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Rose Jaffe, everybody. Rose, she did a thing. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for doing that. We have a person coming to stage. She's a brand new musical artist. And in, uh, in, why are you laughing? I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. Um, we have music on the show. Last night we had a, a ukulele player from Hawaii proper. And it was great because he's like, I don't like Zoe Deschanel because she made the ukulele popular. And all of his songs were very sad and beautiful. It was great. Oh my God. We did this show last night. I was just like looking for musicians. We did this show last night. So we have a brand new musical artist on the show, and he's going to play one song right now. Is that correct? One song right now. You're gonna, I'll move so you could use that. We're going to play one song right now, and then he's going to play another song after, and then we're going to chat a little bit, and then you're going to play another song then. Is that correct? Uh, yes. What sorry. is the Sorry, what is, what is your name? 
My name is Bobby Balducci. Bobby Balducci? Uh, and this is my band, Bobby Balducci and the Goodnight Gang. Okay. Um, this song, I was tapped by a PR agency in Washington, D.C. that does a lot of work with traumatic brain injury. Um, and they asked me to write them an informative PSA song that would, you know, basically get everybody hip to the very real and very pandemic problem of traumatic brain injury, which does not only occur in wartime, it can occur in accidents and it can occur in uh, just everyday life. And it's important to take the precautions so that you don't get a traumatic brain injury. Uh, and I'd like to play you what we came up with as sort of the campaign song, uh, which is called Don't Get a TBI. metal guy But let me give you some metal advice Don't go banging your head Oh, put on Dave Matthews instead And if you're going to ride a bike Well, let me give you some commuter advice Put a helmet on that head I'll put a helmet on that head you give yourself a TBI, you're not gonna be a super fun guy with a TBI. I'll put a helmet on that head. Oh, baby, put a helmet on that head. I don't wanna have to tell you more than once. Put a helmet on that head when you're riding around trying to be going to work. Put a uh, thank you. Bobby Balducci, everybody. He'll be back later tonight. Thank you so much, Bobby. Coming to the stage for our color commentary segment is my mother's favorite part of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Haywood Turnipsey Jr., everybody. Haywood Turnipsey Jr. is here. He is a wonderful man. My mother likes him the most. That's not sarcasm in any way. It's very disappointing. I understand it. I also like Haywood quite a bit. Now I'm going to ask our friendly neighborhood bartender, could I have a pint of the darkest beer possible? Thank you so much. Tequila. I appreciate that. That was on purpose. And apparently <laughs> Allison would like a pint of tequila. Pint. And also Haywood would like a white Russian, everybody. Okay. <laughs> and a helmet for my head. There we hey! go, everybody. Hey, this, this was a very hip show. And it's then Bobby not over. Ba Bobby Balducci showed up and was like, what the fuck? I know. <laughs> Haywood. I loved it. Haywood. Hey, man. <laughs> What's happening? Wouldn't it be great if I just said your name like that? As as, as, as un, and then I, I just, until you go, hey, man. Hey, man. Haywood, every. <laughs> He's mad at us because we did great last month. I'm not mad. <laughs> Why would I be mad? Put a helmet on that head. Lord have mercy. That's what my wife said, and we wouldn't have all these children. hey -o. I was waiting for that. Wacka wacka. I should have whacked it. Heywood, where <laughs> did you get that notebook? Uh, I got this notebook at the uh, place I work at. Oh, okay. It's an uh, artsy thing. I work at an art gallery. Yeah, but it's... I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you got that mm -hmm. at the museum that we referenced earlier. I remember. Oh, the yeah. this is the neighborhood I live in. Yeah, I know. That was nice. Remember when the I Am Man was on the poster? It was on uh, 14th and T. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was like I Am Man. It was like a whole mural. Oh, was movie. it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It was a poster that uh, during yeah, the civil rights movement yes. that uh, you know black workers carried yes. when they were actually trying to get actual equal wage. Yeah. So it wasn't even about just like, hey, let's start equal rights all the way. It was like, hey, let's just start with equal wage and let's get paid the same that uh, these white guys are getting paid to do the exact same thing. And, and clearly like, this segment is called the color commentary and I'm the white person on stage and I am against that. <laughs> Always. Uh, How you doing there, Roseanne? Here's the problem with... <laughs> Remember that? Remember that? When I was like, fuck that show. He was like, no. Look I at didn't say now. that. I actually said on that show, I wonder what will happen first. She gets canceled because of ratings or she gets canceled because of Twitter. You see how he's got to be right mm-hmm. and always, white. Always. Always. All right. Hey, yo. How you doing? Somebody hey. didn't listen to Kanye yet. Oh, I did. <laughs> I'm really worried. <laughs> I'm really worried. Did About you listen him? to Kanye? Yeah. Okay. Here's why I'm worried. He kind of... He didn't backtrack anything he did with the MAGA shit on the Pusha mm. T stuff, but he was, like, getting to it. Because mm. there's a bunch of stuff on the Pusha T mm-hmm. uh, album. Is it an EP or an album? Whatever. It's seven songs. I, yeah, I think. I mean, I don't even th- I know anymore when you put music out. Yeah, exactly. It's like, th- But it's only, like, 28 minutes. It's very yeah. short. Anyways, know. there's, like, stuff about how Russia stole the election, and if you're pro-Trump, you're clearly not going to be Russia stole the election. Mm. Therefore, and Kanye's producing it, and I was like, oh, okay, this is part of a bigger piece, you know, maybe it'll mean something. Remember it's like supposed to be like five albums in Exactly, total? exactly. So. so now part two essentially, which is the Kanye record that came out today, we've walked multiple people during this segment, I understand that. We I don't. do. You damn right we do. <laughs> you damn right. So th- my problem with it is like, he's admitting that he's bipolar. Great, great step. In yeah. the exact same song he goes, that's my superpower. No! Okay, first of all, fuck all that. He's not bipolar. He's like, yeah. As a person that has bipolar disorder, I find that incredibly insulting. Oh. Like, mm. I, I do. Like, it's it's not necessarily everything. Also, I didn't listen to the fucking album because as slavery was a choice, so I was listening to that fucking album. Which so is on the I album. He and, he and he gets to that on the album. I'm not yep. giving him any, any listens. But this is what we said, like, before. Uh, I actually gave I, my Lyft driver four stars today because he had the fucking Kanye album on. Uh, it's, it's Kanye. It's good music. I mean, <laughs> it, it, and we knew that he was doing... We was hoping that it was art and was he being provocative. So I was listening for that same reason. Same. Like, is he going to answer those questions that was asked doing? But that song that he put out right after that incident with the T.I., I think that's got to be a part of something else because that's not on this, this EP. Uh, I said it to say, what we're talking about is black music because June is Black Music Month. So it's cool. Like, today Kanye dropped an album to back up all of what he's been doing. And right now he really is... Given Pusha T, given what happened with Drake, given what's going on in, in the world of hip-hop right now, and not even just the world of hip-hop, hip-hop is music. Hip-hop is the num- world's number one music. It was great that we had my man on Samir talking today about uh, hip-hop and, 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 and how it, you know, here and its connection to France and whatnot, because you have that with Kanye, with Niggas with Paris. Like, people think it's just about, hey, oh, you got a little bit of money, you want to go to Paris? No, I mean, this was the place that actually said, hey, man, bring that here. You know, it, it, it connected to the drum and to the African and to the original thing that it was. Paris had riots and whatnot, and those riots that were going on were the riots that happened even today because the black youth over there were being mistreated and still are being mistreated. And Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I you can read his book. He's going to tell you all about that. <laughs> I say that to say, uh, uh, on a day like today where we have artists like Kanye uh, being provocative and we have artists like uh, Kendrick Lamar, 
uh, getting the, picking up his Pulitzer this week, and people are actually still gasping, going, "Wait a minute, uh, Kendrick won, won a, uh, got a Pulitzer uh, just 21 years ago." They were saying that same thing about Wynton Marcellus, and that was 1997. And that goes back to what you were talking about about the 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 the, 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 the gap yes. between ages and generations, and why we don't want to hear, and the things that Kanye said about slavery is a choice. It really is about free thought and free thinking, and it is hip hop that has made that possible. Uh, uh, I said it, I say because on a day like today, with it being not just uh, Black Music Month, which was endorsed by Trump, which is a weird thing. Do you remember the 80s when like black leaders were the only ones saying the FBI was after them? Yes. <laughs> Shit like that. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hip hop again, it was, you know, Public Enemy that got those, uh, uh, NWA that got those letters that keep the engine going and keep people thinking whether or not uh, now people are talking about being bipolar in music. People are talking about depression. People are talking about the inner being in music. Not just, not just hey, how are you treating me as an equal person, as we said, where I am a man and yes. uh, get equal raises. How are you treating me not just as a black person, but as a human being? And not only how, am I, how are you treating me, how am I treating myself? And how am I treating you if I treat myself like shit? It's, it's some powerful thing. I am on your side on this. I don't think she is. And I get why, because it's Kanye. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> not, not for you. I mean, but, well, you tell me why. Yeah, Allison, I, I don't want to speak you, for you. You, ha- you seem to have a different facial. Because uh, well, she had the screw face on the whole time. Here's <laughs> the thing, because I feel like I, it's exhausting to be a creative in the United States. Mm. Um, mm. And I feel like it's just like you even have it. I am a man. You have to constantly remind people that like, <laughs> you have to find a creative way to constantly remind people that you're a person yeah. and you need to be taken as such, like not yeah. as a black person first or a black rapper first like you are at his very like crux he is kanye yeah and then he's all those other things you know what i mean yeah and it's interesting that like that's like an argument that we're constantly um i don't know learning to navigate and talk about yeah and it doesn't go away it it has been generational and as you just said like with nwa and yeah you know with each generation is fighting for a way to find that to say hey this is my voice and I was here. This is what words and letters and art is all about. It's just a human being saying, hey, I am here. It's weird that animals don't do that, right? Who is it? Mark Twain said that man is the only one that has to blush or needs to. And people are still saying that shit again and again and again. Not only did Kanye drop today, one of the most controversial and forward-thinking artists, I will say, of, of this generation, but someone also dropped. Black Thought and Ninth Wonder dropped an amazing EP, if we want to call it that. And I say it was, it is amazing. It is black thought. Let's talk about black music for a moment. Black music is all music. All music is black music, except for maybe parts of polka. I don't think. Yes, polka. (laughs) You're right. Although it has a rhythm. (laughs) Polka is one of the few. Yeah. What about mariachi? I mean, mariachi music and polka go hand in hand. But it has a drum and it has a beat. And polka even has a beat. I, I, I kid and tease, but it, ha- it has it has a it has it even has a drum and a beat and a bass line. So when you get to some classical and you get to some of that kind of stuff, and when you get to dun, 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 it's all of that. That's 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 hip hop to me. That's black black music. I say that to say, the uh, I was listening to the history of black music today, and we listened to this song, uh, "Swing Low, Sweet Chariot," which is one of the earliest recorded songs on record in America, but period on, on record. So this record was recorded not only by uh, the Fisk uh, Jubilee All-Stars, but by artists like Johnny Cash and uh, Joan Baez and Elvis Presley and Beyonce. And this song is not just a song, it's a spiritual. And people say, when they talk about it being a spiritual, this was code. This was people singing in public about transferring from slavery to freedom. 
Now, people were singing these songs in public in the field saying, hey, basically a train is coming, and not everybody went. You understand what I'm saying? I do. Not everybody got on board because they didn't believe there was a place that was free, or they didn't believe there was a place that you weren't a slave. They didn't believe that they themselves, they might not even knew they were slaves. This is the stuff that Harriet Tubman talks about, talked about. So when you have music and and, and why somebody like Wynton Marcellus is still upset with hip hop, because this was a, a big in the news for the past couple of weeks, and people asked him about Kanye, and asked him about Childish Gambino, and they asked him about today's art. It, it, it was wild to me, it's, it's a little wild to me that somebody like Wynton Marcellus doesn't appreciate the fact that artists like Public Enemy and NWA said at the time, this, this is the CNN of the street, but what people gravitated to was basically bullshit. The, they bu- the bullshit of Public Enemy, like the Flavor of Flav. No, not, not the, yeah, exactly. But they had Flavor exactly. Flav to get... Or the bullshit of Kanye West. I understand that. I mean, coming from a really conservative black family in the country, we weren't allowed to listen to rap growing up. I, I had to prove that it, it was, was something crazy. powerful. I had to prove it. I had to prove that it was something positive in my home. I didn't listen to a lot of it because all the people that listened to it were uh, white kids from privilege. So I, as- <laughs> I associated Fish and like the first two Snoop Dogg albums with like rich, w- <laughs> as, as like for rich white kids. <laughs> they like LBC yeah. and and they like yeah. Connecticut because they want to know what's going on. It, it, but they mostly like to get high. Yeah, and well, try on other cultures. Which is America. Speaking this of, is America. There we go. Okay. <laughs> um, the childish Gambino thing. Uh, was very important in terms of think pieces. Do you think it was important in terms of actual reality? No. Okay. I think it, I think it was good for this generation. I think it, it said in its video over and over again, you, you'll, you'll forget this in a couple of minutes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> that is a good point. I didn't think oh of that. I didn't think of that. But the video itself is just so amazing. It, it's, it's striking. It's great. Well, without, the, without the video, do you listen to the song? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do, do you? Yeah. Oh. If you hear the song in the club, before you ever see that video, do you listen? Yeah, I like the song. I like the video. Obviously, the what did you hear great. first? What did? What, how the did? S- you, how was the, the pres- SNL performance, which I didn't that's, love. That's, that's my whole. That's my only thing. It, without the, the visual, I don't know. No, 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 no. The, the recorded version is better than the SNL audio. Okay. And so I would go video, then recorded, then SNL. Does and that make don't sense? Don't I like the song. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if I like it because I like the video. Sure. The video is a huge part of it. Exactly. Can we talk Especially about like that one part where they're dancing, and, I, and if you look in the background, yes. and somebody literally is thrown off a balcony, yes. and yeah. he's like killed yes. in the video. Yeah. Too. It's all like I, we remember the, the eight, like when Michael Jackson. I remember when MTV played music videos. You remember twenty, I think three years ago this week, the Scream video premiered. Oh. The last good Michael Jackson song was Scream. The last, well, yeah, that was the last good. It was on History Part 1. That's not the last good song. Name the last good Michael Jackson song. Last good one? Yeah, that's what I said. Well, from, uh, that last song was like Hollywood. She's going Hollywood is a pretty good song. What is that from? Uh, the la- I f- oh, was it on Invincible? Yep. She, yep. You I'm, like a uh, song yep. on Invincible. Yep. I like Michael Jackson. I actually like the one with him and Justin Timberlake a lot, but that's an old no. It's an old You're on the wrong side verse. of history. Hey, man. Hey, listen. Love. Never felt so good. No. <laughs> you hey, it's amazing how everybody left while you, we was talking. You. <laughs> <laughs> they you, weren't laughing. They didn't get it. That's how artists are. You see that bullshit? <laughs> I'm an artist. Look at my stuff. Then I'm gone. I don't care. And that's for fucking This Is America is all about. No, it's not. It is, It's man. about actual problems, not this. And no, it is. This is the problem. 
That's not, okay, fine. I think you're taking a little bit too far here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson to me has yeah. got to be the most conflicted artist to enjoy. Yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You don't like R. Kelly at all? Well, R. Kelly, <laughs> because, because there's definitive proof about R. Kelly and there's not definitive proof about Michael Jackson. Because he didn't do the shit. Yeah. If See? There was proof. See? Listen, man. Listen, listen. There's proof when those Catholic priests come out that shit happened. Joe Paterno, that shit, there's proof that that shit happened. There's not proof other than somebody saying, I shouldn't say other than someone saying. They go, hey, we might look at Michael Jackson's penis. And then those people who said that that shit happened recant it. That's my, own, that's my issue with it. And wasn't there that whole conspiracy that, like, everybody came out about Michael Jackson because he was tried by Warner, like, or some... What was well, they say he... Well, what was well, he well, tried well, to buy? Conspir- no, he, no, he already owned oh, the Beatles Chris. catalog. You're conflating no, he a few the Beatles things. Catalog. Um, he already owned the Beatles Michael catalog. Jackson they say did, they wanted that. Sony did give a that. press conference saying Warner Music was racist. Or no, not Warner, no, no, Sony. Because no, no. he was Sony on Sony. Music, Sony, Sony was racist yeah. because Invincible didn't sell. David and that's Gaffer, like the only and reason. He talked he, about the Jewish mafia. They had a very special TRL. You remember <laughs> yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. It was fucking weird. It was like yeah. 2003. 2002? Maybe, maybe. Was it 2003? Yeah, it was in the 2000s. Anyways, Shit. so like there was a whole... It was about It money. had to be, yeah. It had to but be. Prince did the thing where but like... But it did sell. It just didn't sell the numbers that Michael Jackson used to sell. Yeah, because... Because he's fucking old. But it wasn't. It was also just like. It's CD. not a great album. It's not a good album. It's not and a also, great, no, it's a good album. It's not great. It's not good. No, it is good. Oh my god. Anyways. Okay, listen to me. As a Michael Jackson fan, if you're a fan of Michael, if you're a fan of music, I can't say I would present that as the first offering of Michael Jackson. But if you're a fan, as I am, of Michael Jackson, that is perfectly in line with the Michael Jackson signature style. It seems like which has a problem in the early 2000s. It was not hitting. <laughs> Michael Jackson signature. That's not hot. I don't think that's. It wasn't because little white kids were already doing it. Insync had taken it and did it in a different way. I mean, it, it's just the truth. That wasn't the problem with Michael Jackson. Oh, you mean like the the shit? It was the kids stuff. He didn't do it, man. I can't take unless he if he did it, he did it, and he was wrong for doing it. That's how <laughs> I feel about that. However, <laughs> have you heard off the wall? I, listen, I get listen, it. Listen, if I knew that Michael, I knew. listen, I'm gonna tell you something. If I knew that Michael Jackson was fucking children when I was a child, I would have. Found Michael Jackson. <laughs> Dude. I kid the fuck you not. That's how in love I was with Michael Jackson. Be like, you're fucking children. Nigga, this can't be real. Stop. So you think <laughs> you would perform a 10-year-old uh, intervention uh, with Michael Jackson? You have to stop because this is not the Michael Jackson that I, I, we are fans of. You Listen, hands across America, not hands across the children. Heal the world. I got it. I knew we were going. Make it a better place for me and for you for and for you. me. Thank and the you. entire human You're race. You're a fan. See, that's what I'm saying. It's his people <laughs> don't. <laughs> Michael, I mean, I mean, that's a, you know, the world we live in, man. We live, you never talk like this unless you know you're on the wrong side of history. It's not that I'm on the you wrong side. Don't go I'm explaining to people. Until I'm explaining, you know. I, I'm not even going to explain. I cannot explain Michael Jackson because I'm not Michael you're Jackson. You're wearing a Michael Jackson I, shirt. I am a fan of Michael Jackson. I am from Gary, Indiana, and there's a very. I'm not explaining anything. Do you what like I'm, R. Kelly? Yeah, I like the music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this I is do, Allison, I like the music. My mom's favorite segment on Allison's least favorite. Can I like the man? Segment. Do I like the man? So th- we've talked about this many. <laughs> Hold, you I don't even know team. the man. But you remind sh- me of my car about a fucking hey, sixteen-year-old girl. Who's, who knew? Who knew who that knew? she was 16? So wait, if it's a 60-year-old car, it's okay. But if it's a 60-year-old girl, it's a problem. 
Who yeah. knew? Yeah. We don't Everybody know. Knew. We did not know that when that was happening. They said he was married to Aaliyah uh, and all that bullshit. If he's married to it, listen, 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 listen. We all want to marry 15-year-old Aaliyah. No, no, no. I get no, it. no, 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 no. There's, that, that is nothing I can explain. There are legal people that have to go into that, right? You're not a legal person that has to get I into can, this? I can watch that and see that and say, okay, it, did this or didn't this happen? I don't know. The motherfucker is all I know is, Pied Piper. But he does do shit. Pied Piper. He's proven to do tiny shit. Tiny baby girls. He is proven to do shit. Terrible. Did I dance and listen to his music? Yes, I have. Do I think he should be fucking, do I think you should book him right now? Not unless you want him to fuck your daughter. But it is what it is. So was fucking, um, what's the kid's name uh, 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 who married his cousin? Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. So, I mean, this shit goes on and on and on and on. And what I don't like about our culture as a, as a, as a, as a, as a society, we go, fuck that guy. Well, that guy, that guy, and that guy. How, how does it get to this motherfucker just doing it willy-nilly? Everybody knew that motherfucker was doing it willy-nilly if they were doing if he's doing it at all. I don't so now, how do you get to be that guy where he's got records? You don't just start doing that shit. I don't disagree. You just don't wake up and say, you know what I'm going to do today? I got a million dollars. I'm going to go find a look. You could go to Thailand and that shit is legal. <laughs> I don't disagree. But we're not Thailand. <laughs> we're not. Oh, it, so all I'm saying is. We're going to take a cruise to Thailand is what we're saying. <laughs> no, it's um, not for me. <laughs> but I said that to say, I'm, I, um, these people, they're artists. Can I appreciate art? And can I understand that that person may have done fucked up things? Yes, and yes, and yes again. Because over and over and over again in this society, we see people who get hailed, and we see people who get nailed. The man that walked the earth that they once called Jesus was crucified for calling himself God. So at the end of all of that shit, I'm not him. I do like that you just tied R. Kelly to Jesus Christ, so that was really cool. <laughs> no, I didn't tie him to Jesus. <laughs> um, I just said people like taking popular people and then sure. saying, hey, you know what? You fucked up when you did this. See, I like this segment because you and I get to do this, and <laughs> she gets so frustrated. She literally put the microphone down and, and even started drinking. What you going to do? I mean, what, do. You, don't, you didn't <laughs> like ignition? You didn't like ignition? Hell yeah, I did. All right, then, so what's up? But wait, wait, hold up then. But there's there's a point in your life when you're an adult and you're a consumer of art and music and you, you, you're you able to influence things and you you make a choice. Yes, you do. You make a fucking choice. When you know better, you do better. That's he very true. on children. He pissed on children. And you he know what he does now he with kept, that? He kept children in a basement. And he makes he them sign contracts. He a child. He married a fucking No, he child. still does. It, he, didn't, he didn't do. He still does. When you know better, does. you do better. I can live without ignition. I can live without that. You don't. Like, all okay. my conscience okay. forever. Okay. But I cannot live knowing okay. that even one cent of my money but is going to that's a not man the, that's not what I'm saying. who that's, has that's a not, child in a fucking But that's not what happened. Not I one can't. cent of your money. I one can't. cent of your being already went to him. It already went to him. I can't give it to him. I can't. But no he, I, I can't take my money my, back, but I can't give him any more money. But you know, you're right. You cannot give back that time. You can, but you cannot go back in time and never have known who R. Kelly yeah, is. He saying. has space in your but brain. But you know better, you do better. So what are we going to say? I'm not, here's so what we're so going to say. Someone that, hold on. So no, 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 because this is the shit. This is the shit. This is the shit. This is the shit. And this is the real bullshit. We go, wait a minute. We take Roseanne off the air. That stops racism. We take Bill Cosby off the air. This stop this nigga from putting pills in drinks. We take, fuck, we take R. Kelly, we say Spotify, so we're just going to put it under the rug. I still have the album in my collection because I bought it. What am I going to do? I'm going to burn it? No. No one's saying that. So all I'm saying is it, the space that you're talking about taking is there and gone. Yeah, so what do you mean give it to him? He got it already. I don't have to give him any more of it. How are you not? I'm not. We just did. 
<laughs> being on this show and talking about it, yes. So, that, so, that so says, uh, yes, I, I have. But I'm saying I don't have to actually. So I, that's own. the only part I don't understand I when you say you don't have to. We, no, we don't. Only thing we have to do is stay black and die. When we say we don't have to, what do we say? We're not. Uh, so, so we don't want to hear it in public, but we are going to hear it in public. There are going to be years from now where people are going to play that song because it's a part of the lexicon. See, no, hold on, stop. That's a good point. He, you, you bring up a really good point, but I think that, no, this is a very good point because he's absolutely right. No one, the, the further we get from Michael Jackson's death, the fewer people talk about the fact that he probably diddled those kids. Come on, Haywood, he probably did it. Number one. Probably is a strong <laughs> word. I can't say that. <laughs> and it's the same thing with R. <laughs> Kelly. And, if, and I think that what we need to do is build a new canon. And I'm not joking in any way whatsoever. We need to build a new canon. So but we need why? To, because it's better, we'll be better people. Here's how? why. How? This is how. No, no, no. No, no this is where we're wrong. You're asking questions. No, no, no. no, no but this is before you go too far. This is where we're wrong because you just had a history guy on earlier. Yes. And you have to document this bullshit. No, no, no. You have to show how me, bad hear people me can hold be. Hold on, hold on. Because that's, that's the same thing about we don't want to take slavery out of books. Oh, no, we no. We're no. out of school. I, I understand that. Here's how we do it. It's very simple. Okay, what won Best Picture 1977? Annie Hall. It was oh, Annie Hall. Okay. Annie Hall won. So we take that away from Woody Allen, Annie Hall, and we How? give it to Star Wars. <laughs> and that, because cause George Lucas uh, didn't marry his daughter, so we give it to George. Oh, I'm not joking. Brown. Hear me out. Hear no, me out. And no, there's an asterisk. No, and go, why did this? Exactly. Why was exactly. You do what you do with Barry Bonds. That's fine. You put an asterisk on exactly. it. Exactly. Barry Bonds still has the most home runs, but it's only because he bulked the fuck up. And that's fine. But we didn't catch him because we couldn't, and we didn't have the technology. The prop, you put Woody Allen and you say, here, here's Woody Allen, but he married his fucking daughter. Yeah. This is on fucking record. Yeah. So you might like Annie Hall, but look at who this person is. You do the same thing with R. Kelly. Hey, he, had, he made records about Ignition, but he might have Hold been on, talking stop, about stop, 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 stop. We're on the same page. Be, here's you, how. You here's have how, to put this stuff together. I don't disagree. Here's how you do it. You take away the Academy Award I sticker, do. and I then there's a sticker. You can't take that, it away. Hold on, no, stop, you say stop, we, stop. Let me finish the point. We honored that motherfucker. Let me finish the point. Let me finish the point. There's the Academy Award sticker, and then there's an asterisk. <laughs> and then you read the asterisk, it goes, oh, this is one of Academy Award. Why didn't? Why doesn't it have an Academy Award? And it just goes, oh, fucked his daughter. And that's on the package. That's on the movie poster <laughs> now. That's the official release. If they, if the studio, <laughs> you don't wipe it from history. You need to remember the history. Yeah. So every Michael Jackson album should be, probably fucked a kid, maybe fucked no, a kid. No, no, Stop, no. Jesus Christ, Haywood. No no, 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 no. That's the only place where we're wrong, because that insinuates. If he did it, then put it on there. That's it. If he did it. Fine. But if we don't Roman know, Polanski. We, can, we know. Okay, Roman Polanski. We could put the sticker on. He ran. Not a sticker, but the whole word. Fine. When you watch this movie, know this is what this dude okay, did. Okay, same with Cosby Show. We keep it. We know all of the things. There it's you go. proven. You still could you could still enjoy it as much. And then there's a scroll at the bottom of the screen every five minutes. Let like me, this, pro this this screener is property of blah blah blah. Instead it just goes, This guy totally did this let to me, these let women. Let me answer this. Let me answer this. And this is this is what I see it. Uh Martin Luther King, if you see him in a picture smoking cigarettes, well, do you know Martin Luther King smoked cigarettes? Yes. Do you think any less of them? No. But if you see him in a picture smoking cigarettes, no, I, I, if you see him in a picture smoking cigarettes, today, today, but at the time, while he's trying to get civil rights, <laughs> if you see him in a picture leading people Marching, smoking cigarettes. That do we think he's the last job? I'd smoke a cigarette. <laughs> you would think, right? But do we think he is that person? Does that person in, in middle America that we talk about, the Rust Belt, do we think he's that person that goes, you know what? I might want to give him a shot. Fuck everybody else. I might want to give him a shot. 
I think you're. So I understand, I understand what she said. Somebody is totally different, but it's not. Yes, it's it how is. we judge shit. No, it's not. Okay. No, it's not. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> it's totally not. You can okay. see Haywood tonight okay. at the Draft House Comedy. <laughs> no, you. No, 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 no. You can't because you might. You might not. <laughs> so that, see, this, this, this is about a problem with people, man. <laughs> this is why I live on my fucking island. Because people go, well, if the sun is out, see everything that motherfucker did. This is why I like Malcolm X. He told me in the book, this is who the fuck I am. This is who I was, and this is who I've become. And too often we want to hide shit and say, hey, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. You I did didn't it or you did I didn't say hide it. And I if we do it, and if the motherfucker also created some art, hey, man. I didn't say hide anything. I said highlight it. With a, <laughs> with a sticker? With a sticker. <laughs> but you know what that's called? A star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> Which people buy. You could buy a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I'm so grateful that our musical guest is here and he's about to perform. <laughs> he's going to have a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Put your helmet on. Ladies and gentlemen, Bobby Belducci is coming to the stage right Bobby now. Bobby Belducci. If he, if he realizes it's still time for music. Uh, hugely influenced by both Michael Jackson and Bill Cosby. And Roman Polanski and Woody Allen. When I think of the Venn diagram of Bobby Belducci, that's who I think of. I'm incredibly grateful that he's here. And you're going to play another song. Is that correct, Bobby? He said, that's right. He doesn't have a microphone in his hands right now, but he just said, that's right. Uh, Is it okay if I sit here, Bobby? That's fine. Thank you. This next next tune uh, was inspired by, I was in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. And I came across a in front of a hot dog restaurant a statue, which I can only describe as a grown ass hot dog shitting his own dick out. <laughs> and if you Google hot dog man statue, you will see exactly the inhumanity that I'm talking about. There's a very sinister looking hot dog man, an anthropomorphic representation of the sausage factory that is the hot dog food product. Um, I'll give you enough time to get a visual on your phone if you Google hot dog man statue. But I felt like haunted by this sinister. The thing was he was dressing himself with ketchup and mustard in sort of a suicidal act knowing he would be he would be eaten but he has a delight on his face that is um, somewhat haunting and Certainly uh, uh, extremely dark and problematic existentially. Uh, and so I couldn't help but feel, a, um, as a, someone who grew up in Europe, in Augsburg, Germany, <laughs> couldn't help but feel a German experience in this uh, particular moment when I saw this grown-ass hot dog shitting his own dick out. And so I wrote this song. Uh, I, it's in German, but there are English parts, but the German parts only say, it's a hot dog man. It's super, huh? <laughs> das ist dein Wurst. Das ist dein Wurst. Das ist dein Wurst. It's super, huh? Das ist dein Wurst. The hot dog man. Das ist dein Wurst. Das ist dein Wurst. It's super, huh? Das ist dein Wurst. 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 Das ist d
ist dein Wurst. Das ist dein Wurst. Ist super, ah? Das ist dein Wurst. Das ist dein Wurst. Ist super, das ist dein Wurst. Menschen, und das ist dein Wurst. Ist super, und das ist dein Wurst. Und das ist dein Wurst. Ist super, und das ist dein Wurst. Menschen, und das ist dein Wurst. Oh, it's a hot dog, man. I'm just so grateful that you're here and you're doing this. If you want to buy Bobby the statue, it's six hundred dollars and six fifty nine ninety nine. It used to be uh, one thousand two hundred forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents. So, I'm incredibly grateful that he brought that to my attention. And I think that if you're looking for a birthday gift for Bobby, he might want that. Is that fair to say, Bobby? Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here, Bobby. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your effort. Uh, I, w I think that we solved racism and pedophilia tonight on the show. I think that was a was a good thing to do. We had many, many guests. We had, uh, we had a good conversation with Allison. We all drank white Russians at the Wonderland Ballroom. We did. We Great time. Uh, it, Nobody's stressed out at all. I'm, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not stressed out at all, actually. I'm having a good time. Uh, plastic straws are illegal, which brings me great joy. They are. They are. Did you ever see that video with the turtle with the plastic straw on its nose? No, I only heard about really it on sad. national public radio. What, mm. uh, is that for you? Are you just leaving? Are you gonna? Uh, that's it. Okay. It's super. Fantastic. It is super. It is super. It is super. It is super. I want to thank each and every person in the Wonderland Barroom, both working and not working. But at the same time, it's all work, bro. That's a wrestling term. That's the first wrestling term I used all night, and it's 9:59. I did it. Oh, how? I lasted almost an entire show without using wrestling terms. Woo! Are you clapping that you think I need an intervention from stopping to talk about wrestling so much? Because it won't happen. I actually don't talk about wrestling nearly as much as I do in Chicago. Uh, weird. Last night, I think there was like 12 references. A bit of show last night. Oh, it's crazy. Oh, the guest runs, like he's, he keeps bees. Bees? Yeah, he's Chicago's. Oh, that's nice. He's Chica he runs bees Chicago's. He's Chicago's hive supply store. He runs that. 